president spent the weekend in the hospital with the coronavirus. Well, most of the weekend. Megan Thee Stallion didn't mince words about the Kentucky Attorney General on Saturday Night Live. And we've got nerd queen Felicia Day with us talking about her new Twitch show, Women Are. The date, October 5th, 2020. The time, news o'clock. Hello, friends. I'm Hayes Brown. And I'm Casey Rackham. Welcome to BuzzFeed's News O'Clock. Casey, okay, time like- for today's top stories. Here's what you need to know. It's my mom's birthday. Hey! <laughs> Hayes was so confused. He was like, Casey never says this line. Why is she saying this line right now? <laughs> I am totally okay with that. I am here for the surprise. Happy birthday, Casey mom. She's so excited. She's the perfect Libra. She's so balanced. I love her. She wants everything to be harmonious, but she also loves gossip. She this is this is her day to shine. Oh, I love that. And she listens would... she listens to our podcast every single day. So wow. had to give her a shout out. No, you really had to. I was just gonna kvetch about the fact that it barely felt like a weekend because the news was so crazy, but that's much better. <laughs> Yeah, uh, I would say I don't want to talk about this weekend, but as you know, we very much have to. And with that, (laughs) it's time for today's top stories. (laughs) Here's what you need to know. (sighs) Well, okay. so after we left you on Friday, things got hella wild as the president was admitted to Walter Reed Military Hospital to treat his case of coronavirus. And things have only gotten weirder since then. The last three days have been a constant struggle between Trump's team and journalists to figure out exactly how sick the president is and how long that's been the case. White House physician Dr. Sean Conley finally admitted in a briefing on Sunday that Trump had been given supplemental oxygen while at the White House on Friday and again on Saturday. When asked why he'd originally dodged the question, he had this to say. I was trying to reflect the, the, uh, the upbeat attitude that the team, the president, that his course of illness has had. I um, didn't want to give uh, any uh, any information that might uh, steer the uh, the course of illness in another direction, um, and in doing so, uh, you know, it came off uh, that we were trying to hide something, which wasn't necessarily true. Um, and uh, so have, here I have it. He's, he is, the, the fact of the matter is, is that he's doing really well. Despite that and other claims, the drugs that the president is being treated with don't jibe with the rosy takes. Trump was started up on an antibody cocktail from Regeneron and a five-day course of the antiviral remdesivir, neither of which has been fully cleared by the FDA. He's also been put on dexamethasone, a steroid that's meant to counter an immune system overreaction that's been known to kill COVID patients. But experts say that dexamethasone is usually only given to patients with serious cases of COVID-19. If administered during milder cases, it can actually make things worse by weakening the immune system too much. That, along with the president's own unwillingness to seem weak just a month out from an election, has left us grasping for clues about how he's actually doing. Since checking in, he's put out two, well, I wish they were a better term, but uh, proof of life videos, claiming that he's doing just fine. We're getting great reports from the doctors. This is an incredible hospital, Walter Reed. The work they do is just absolutely amazing, and I want to thank them all, the nurses, the doctors, everybody here. I've also gotten to meet some of the soldiers and the first responders and what a group. I also think we're going to pay a little surprise to some of the great patriots that we have out on the street. That surprise was Trump being loaded into an SUV and driven in front of the cheering crowd gathered outside Walter Reed. Here's the audio that C-SPAN caught of the moment. God bless America. 
That's our president. I will die for him. I will die for that man happily. I will die for him. Anybody want to mess with him? You mess with me first. He is a hero, that man. There's Gatling guns in here and missile launchers. God bless America. God bless you guys. God bless. God bless the police. God bless you guys. God bless. Thank you for your The New York Times reported this morning that the drive-by was a compromise as Trump had been insisting that he leave the hospital early. But that drive had people like Dr. James Phillips, the head of crisis medicine at the George Washington University Medical Center, and an attending at Walter Reed, just baffled at the risk to the Secret Service. Dr. Phillips said, quote, Presidential FUV is not only bulletproof, but hermetically sealed against chemical attack. The risk of COVID-19 transmission inside is as high as it gets outside of medical procedures. The irresponsibility is astounding. My thoughts are with the Secret Service forced to play. As we're recording this, we've yet to get any new info about the president's condition, despite the White House press pool being stationed at Walter Reed. And for those of you keeping count at home, there are now at least 11 people close to Trump who have tested positive for COVID since Wednesday. First Lady Melania Trump, White House aides Hope Hicks, Kellyanne Conway, and Nick Luna, Republican National Committee Chair Ronna McDaniel, Senators Mike Lee, Ron Johnson, and Tom Tillis, Trump campaign manager Bill Stepien, former Governor Chris Christie, and as of this morning, White House Press Secretary Kayleigh McKinney. Oh, boy. I mean, yeah, this this weekend has just been a complete whirlwind. And I think one of the most shocking things is, is like, I mean, as you said, we do not know what the president's current health status is right now. And we keep getting new things and everything's contradicting each other. And that's really what's happened this these past years. We have been gaslit by our own government to the point where whatever is told to us by them, we don't believe them, which is so wrong. And everyone just wants to know what the truth is right now, like what is happening and no one knows. Right. And it's coming to the point that it's worse. I'm seeing conspiracy theories from people who I normally would not find to be conspiratorial. Like there's people out there who say Trump doesn't even really have the coronavirus. This is just a strategy to gain sympathy, which doesn't really really makes sense at all, considering his brain and how it works, to people being like, oh, he's just trying to make it so that he has a quick recovery or that he's actually dying and or dead. It's wild out there in these tweets right now. Yeah, I I have to point out that I was unfortunately one of those people, thankfully for only 30 seconds, where I was like, when it first came out that he had it, I was like, does he actually have it? And then I was talking to a friend and she and she was like, well, he hates being viewed as sick, so he wouldn't admit this as he could. And the fact that we had to go back and forth about having like all the different things that go on in Trump's brain that all come from a place of like insecurities, like the fact that that's how we were determining if the president of the United States actually has coronavirus, that is truly wild. And also, we don't quite know yet when he first tested positive. So we said on Friday's show that he, you know, he tweeted it out Friday, 1 a.m. Eastern time that he had gotten a positive test. But it turns out he had a positive before he went on Fox News. He had a like rapid uh, coronavirus test that came up positive. He was waiting for the longer one. But the White House still won't say when his last negative test was. We don't know if he he tested for realsies before he met up with Joe Biden for the debate last Tuesday. There's just so much that we don't know, and it is uh, problematic, to say the least. (sighs) Yeah, that that is the correct noise. Okay, Casey, how is pop culture world doing today, though? Well, Saturday Night Live returned this weekend, and yes, the cold open with Jim Carrey as Joe Biden was 
all over Twitter. But the biggest political moment came during the musical performance. Megan The Stallion was the musical guest this week, and during her rendition of Savage, she took a full minute to go in on the injustices protested this summer. As the stage went dark, Megan played the words of first Malcolm X. The most disrespected, unprotected, neglected person in America is the black woman. Who taught you to hate the texture of your hair, the color of your skin, the shape of your nose? Who taught you to hate yourself from the top of your head to the soles of your feet? Then, activist Tamika Mallory, speaking just after Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron's press conference about the Breonna Taylor killing. Daniel Cameron is no different than the sellout Negroes that sold our people into slavery by before finally speaking for her own self and every other black woman in America. We need to protect our black women and love our black women. Cause at the end of the day, we need our black women. We need to protect our black men and stand up for our black men. Cause at the end of the day, we're tired of seeing hashtags of our black men. Megan was shot twice in July, allegedly by rapper Tory Lanez after an argument. She initially covered for him, but finally called him out after accusing him and his clique of lying about the situation. In response, Lanez put out an album last month where he apparently claims Megan is making things up and goes after women who defended her. If we find anyone who actually listened to Lanez's album, we will let you know. I definitely have not and have no plans to. <laughs> nope, I do not. Um, it was definitely a powerful moment, not only where her musical performance is great, but it was it was just like, you know, there were words behind her, like in projections and stuff. And the, but the, I thought that was going to be it. But then the fact that she took the time to speak about this, it was just very important and great as the first SNL back. Right. I saw it all unfolding over Twitter. I haven't watched SNL live in like a decade, at least, I feel like. But I, I saw all of the immediate reaction from the black women in my Twitter feed, just like, yes, this is amazing. This is how you use your platform. And I gotta agree. This is, this was really strong on her part, especially considering the fact that, uh, Daniel Cameron is, uh, kind of in, uh, some, I don't want to say trouble, but last week they released the audio of what he told the grand jury, uh, in the Breonna Taylor case. And Apparently, prosecution of those cops was never really an option. He didn't give them that option at any point that this is something they could do. And so th that audio backs that up. And good for Megan, honestly. Yes, definitely. All right. Um, moving on. The second largest chain of movie theaters in the U.S. is shutting down because of the pandemic. Cineworld, the biggest theater chain in the U.K., bought Regal Cinemas back in 2017 as a way to get into the U.S. market. But now they're saying they have to close down on both sides of the Atlantic because of the lack of revenue coming in. In a statement to CNN, Cineworld said that the decision came because of the lack of the new releases from studios. The straw that broke the camel's back appears to have been the latest delay in the release of the newest James Bond movie, No Time to Die. The company said, quote, Without these new releases, Cineworld cannot provide customers in both the U.S. and the U.K., the company's primary markets, with the breadth of strong commercial films necessary for them to consider coming back to theaters against the backdrop of COVID-19. The announcement came as a big surprise, though, to Cineworld employees. 45,000 jobs are affected by this decision worldwide, including 5,500 in the U.K., 
representatives for Cineworld Action Group, which has been pushing management in the UK for better treatment of its workers, say they were given no warning, having had to learn about the threat to their jobs via the front page of the Sunday Times. Oh, that's rough. Like, on the one hand, I'm like, yeah, we don't want to be going back into theaters right now. And I get why this is like a a, a, a struggle for this, the movie theater industry. But at the same time, it's like, oh, that's so many jobs. No, it's a lot of jobs, you know, and we just heard about, you know, like Disneyland, Disney World, and then um, having airlines. And, you know, there's so many, there's so many other industries that are affected. And, you know, and, and what, we're eight, eight months later and we're, it's still, it's getting worse, you know, in terms of job security. Right. Especially it's like some, especially like the yo-yoing that's happening in some of the countries that even the ones that have had a semi-okay time of it, like I'm not counting the UK in this, they've been better than us, but still not great. Um, they're having more shutdowns come into place as more cases pop up. But even like on the continent, like France is struggling right now. And it's just like, oh boy, this virus sucks. This winter is going to be hard. Yep. Yep, it is. Oh, uh, geez. <laughs> All right. When we come back, we've got actor Felicia Day with us. Stay right there. Fit. We're tired of hearing new year, new you, fat burning secrets, and lose weight fast. The only thing you need to lose is self doubt. The body you're in deserves respect, love, and support. Support you're not getting from your current sports bra. It's time to experience the only sports bra that actually does its job and outperforms the most popular brands on the market. It's time to feel real support from SheFit. Save $10 today at SheFit.com/slash 2022. Hello. Hello. Hi. Oh my God, I want to come through the screen and hug you. Hey everybody, Jessica Zor here, also known as Vanessa Abrams on Gossip Girl. I am so excited to share my new podcast with you guys. It's called XOXO and it's a walk down memory lane all about Gossip Girl. I'll chat with some of the cast, crew, fans of the show, and I'm just so pumped for you guys to go on this journey with me. Hi, I'm Ed Westwick. I played Chuck Bass. I just can't believe that I did that with my life. Jay, we had like the most amazing time. Listen to XOXO on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is Roxanne Gay, host of the Roxanne Gay Agenda, the bad feminist podcast of your dreams. Now, what is the Roxanne Gay Agenda, you might ask? Well, it's a podcast where I'm going to speak my mind about what's on my mind, and that could be anything. Every week, I will be in conversation with an interesting person who has something to say. We're going to talk about feminism, race, writing in books and art, food, pop culture, and yes, politics. I start each show with a recommendation. Really, I'm just going to share with you a movie or a book or maybe some music or a comedy set, something that I really want you to be aware of and maybe engage with as well. Listen to the Luminary Original Podcast, The Roxanne Gay Agenda, the bad feminist podcast of your dreams, every Tuesday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back. From movies to comic books to gaming, the wide world of nerddom for the longest time had a boys-only sign hung out front. There's been a lot done to change that lately, but it can be depressing how much gatekeeping still is going on. Luckily, there's some helpful reminders out there that geek 
knows no gender. We're joined by actor, live streamer, gamer, and host of the new show, Women Are, Felicia Day. Good afternoon, Felicia. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. Of course. So excited. So your new show debuted on Twitch uh, last week. Congratulations on that. Thank you. It's really cool to have something more than me just failing at Fall Guys every week. Although (laughs) I have to say I enjoy that quite a lot as well. (laughs) So can you tell us a little about it and what inspired you to make this happen? Yeah. So Women Are is a panel show um, of creative professional women. Each episode is a different career path. And so it's a funny and fun way for them to share their ups and downs, their journeys, and just provide visibility for um, them in their chosen field. So it is a really great show. I have amazing guests. And the reason why I wanted to do it was I have a little baby and she's three years old and I'm very conscious about exposing her to that, you know, I try not to emphasize gender a lot, but unfortunately everything in our, our world emphasizes gender so much from birth. It's almost like you feel a little helpless. Like how do we actually change some of these things that we're encountering as adults? Because it really starts so early, the division of sex, the things that women, you know, girls do versus boys do. Everything's always romance with the girls. Everything's always being rewarded with a woman at the end for guys. It's just like, Oh God, how do we try? So anyway, I always try to uh, explain to her how things are made. And it was really important to me as I got into exposing to these things to show her that women or girls or women identifying people create a lot of things just to normalize that anybody can make anything. It doesn't matter. Your gender doesn't play into it. So that kind of exposure led me to be inspired to do this panel show and Twitch itself um, helps produce this show or, you know, finance it. So uh, it is a mini budget thing as I usually do, but at the same time, it's nice to be able to have a little bit more polished show on my Twitch channel, which I've been building out for uh, a lot during quarantine. You've been live streaming on Twitch for six years now. Uh, What do you think it is about that format that people really enjoy so much? Yeah, so I started streaming on Twitch right after I sold my company, which was a YouTube-based company. And I have to say that YouTube as an environment was very uh, not great for me. Um, It was awesome that they funded us for two years in a row. It was very hard to make it work and get the numbers that we got. And I'm so grateful for that investment because we wouldn't exist without it. But at the same time, releasing content there and sort of being constantly not able to create the community that I was used to uh, when I built the guild on and off of YouTube, on Xbox and on our own website. And so that's sort of like lack of being able to police, in a sense, the comments, lack of being able to cultivate community between viewers was something that I didn't even know I missed until I started streaming by myself six years ago on Twitch. And the environment was so wonderful that I immediately wanted my company, Geek and Sundry, to start building a presence there as well. We spawned a lot of uh, very successful shows there, including Critical Role, which is like this biggest D&D thing ever. It's huge. It's huge. So, um, so for me, cultivating that community was so rewarding. And the fact that we could all just say, Hey, unacceptable behavior, get out (laughs) or stay and be a polite, nice person. So there just wasn't the, there's just not the capability on YouTube to do that, especially in a passive experience. So that live on on top of with the tools uh, to create community was so um, wonderful to me. And yeah, for six years, I definitely haven't like taken it quote unquote seriously, like a profession until, you know, this summer, I wouldn't say I'm a professional streamer, but I guess a little bit. Um, but I, I do love the environment and the idea that you can create a community where they enjoy the company of each other, as well as just the one-to-one to the personality. 
you're doing eight episodes of Women Are. Can you give us any kind of heads up about an upcoming episode that you're excited about? I mean, every single one I'm excited about. And when we were coming up with my list, I um, I was so excited. I was like, we got to do more because I just want to do something on podcasters and scientists and not only just scientists in general, but astrophysicists. And after I announced the show, I had so many women in different worlds reach out and be like, I want to be on, or I know somebody who'd be perfect for you at makers. And so there's really actually an appetite for this among women, especially, but also just people like, I know this amazing woman you would love, um, who does, you know, uh, kind of like psychology online and like all these things. So I hope that, um, if we have, you know, we're successful enough and we are, uh, was received well enough, Twitch will want to do more episodes. Hell, I might just do them on my own anyway. So, but yeah, I'm excited about the D- Dungeon Master episode. We have one um, that we're doing today. I don't know when this goes out, but we're doing comic book creators, which is incredible. Kelly Sue DeConnick is going to be there. It's just going to be like, whoa. And we have a showrunner one that we have some amazing people for. So, I mean, honestly, every episode, board game designers, which, you know, that is an underappreciated world of where women really have made some incredible board games. And so those are the areas where you're just kind of like, oh, a woman made that. And that's what you want to break the stereotype and just inspire women like, hey, I could do that too. Yeah. So you mentioned your Dungeon Masters episode that's coming up. Uh, I feel like the number of people who have gotten into Dungeons and Dragons lately is huge. And that the number of women I know that actually play has just skyrocketed in the last two, three years. Do you think there's been a sea change in that space? I think whenever you have representation, you have a sea change. I mean, really, honestly, it, it representation is the most important thing. I like to say that visibility is possibility. So we're kind of raised to think about the world in one certain way. Like I look at my baby and if I taught her, you know, like I see the things I teach her, for some reason, there's a lot of princes and kings and queens in all her stories. I'm like, we're not a monarchy. Why am I only telling her about Like what is going on here? But like, if I taught her from birth that like pomegranates are like the most valuable thing you can possibly have, she would think that, right? So essentially culture and the things that we learn are arbitrary and they can be anything in the world. You can format somebody's worldview however you wish in the environment that you grow them up in. And and it's very hard to change that unless you really bust it open and expose people to new things. And so I think that exposure to D&D, primarily I would say through critical role, honestly, it being very gender balanced and then that sort of sparking interest all over and then also stranger things kind of mainstreaming the idea of it. I think there are a couple of factors there that have made it a little more accessible because accessibility is is so important because if it looks too intimidating, you're not going to get into it. So I go to Comic-Con every year for work and over the past two years, I think many people have noticed that not all the big names, i.e. Disney, are bringing their best stuff because they have their own conventions they're starting. And then this year, because of the pandemic, we've had major conventions either canceled or going digital. What do you think the future of conventions is? Do you think we're ever going to go back to what it was? I mean, I do a lot of conventions, not only professionally for my career, but also just getting word out. And because I love them, I would never do them if I didn't love meeting people in person and carrying that energy back to going to whatever I'm trying to hit my hit myself in the face with in Hollywood. <laughs> so um, it really saddens me because, you know, I, I'm supposed to do a couple next year. And like, I, you know, I have an immunocompromised partner. I have a child. It's really hard for me to be like, yes, let's meet a thousand people this weekend and, you know, get hugs and, and, and whatever it is that we, we have that exchange. Cause it really brings the digital life into real life that way. And that's what I've always loved doing. So I really hope that at some point we're not just behind plexiglass again, but 
I think that just as a business necessity, they'll try to have them and we'll just see how people adapt and are comfortable. Uh, it's going to be hard. So I first became aware of you back in 2008 when you were part of the cast of Joss Whedon's uh, Dr. Horrible's sing-along blog. Uh, for people who didn't see it, it was this YouTube series, mini-series that was a musical focused on uh, Neil Patrick Harris playing a villain who sings his travails. And I loved it at the time, but honestly have had trouble getting back into it, given that the main character is kind of a stalkery white guy wannabe villain who idolizes a woman he doesn't even know, played by you, and is set off when she goes out with Captain Hammer, aka a total Chad. So I'm, I'm curious, how do you feel about the project these days? I mean, he is a bad guy. <laughs> so, he, is the, he is a villain, but a very sympathetic villain yeah. is, the, is the point of the. I mean, no, there. I mean, I think you can have sympathy for anybody. Like any terrible person out there has a reason why they're doing their thing. Nobody, nobody thinks I'm the villain of the story, right? Like, if you look at somebody who's doing something repugnant, they're not generally doing it because they are like, let's just be repugnant right now. Right. It's, it's always based in a, uh, from a place for of self-loathing of abuse or whatever it is. And yeah, you're right. Like Dr. Horrible does sort of embody that, um, sort of entitled, but like I said, like when I teach my daughter's story, like I'm, I'm playing Mario with her right now and we played several, uh, you know, Nintendo games, which I love. And they're really accessible to a, a three or four year old, um, and, and okay for her. But then every single story is, peach or some lady being rescued. Right. And I'm like, every time peach is on screen, I'm like, peach do something, you know, like, <laughs> so like, you know, there, there is a lot of archetypes there, but they were, you know, you can only de deconstruct so far and they were deconstructing in one, in a way that they did a step that allowed the other deconstructions to happen. We can't just leap to 10. Right. And so 12 years ago, right. Um, they were deconstructing in a, uh, superheroes and supervillains in a way that was um, interesting and relevant at the time. And that was the step we need to be to where we are right now. So I would say that the songs are really great. And the fact that you can provoke that reaction now um, is something that you can explore. And maybe that will inspire somebody else to do their version of what that is, deconstructing one step further now. All right. So last question. What's one adaptation of a comic book or video game that you've always wanted to see as a TV show or a movie, but just hasn't happened yet? I mean, Fallout, but it just got sold to Amazon. Oh, and wow. I, <laughs> I have to tell you, if there's anything I would be like, please, I, you know, people kind of look at me as a personality versus a actor, but there are certain things I'm like, don't just forget I'm a, I'm me. I'll get a, you know, I'll get a new nose. Like just <laughs> put me in the wasteland. <laughs> well i mean if if you're listening amazon then please cast felicia in fallout make this happen please i'm already in fallout new vegas as a different character mm. uh, veronica so we have your number basically really, already i mean i'm a very popular secondary character in that <laughs> <laughs> all right felicia do you have time to stick around for a quick game sure let's play i'm never always gonna be okay for a game come on good <laughs> Okay, so this is going to be a fun one. We haven't played it for a while on the show. The name of this game is Gotta Pick One. And for you, we've got a special edition planned out. Okay. We're going to give you a list of four things, and you have to choose one of them to save. The other three things are gone, never existed, nobody has ever heard of them before. Okay. But here's the twist. Once during this game, you can call for a saving throw. In that case, we can roll a 20-sided die or D20, which I have right here. If it comes up 14 or higher, you can save two things on the list. But if not, they're all gone forever. Oh, okay, great. 
This is ruthless. All right, great. Okay, great, great. Okay, okay. Are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. Okay, first up, we have the world of Star Trek. Which one is gonna be saved? Voyager, Deep Space Nine, Picard, or Discovery? Oh boy. I mean, I hold a very soft place in my heart for Deep Space Nine. It really, and I've not watched Picard yet because I'm just too cheap to get another <laughs> streaming. Um, so I, I'm just going to say Deep Space Nine. I'm going to save my role and I'm just going nice. to say Deep Space Nine. Everything else can go, although people are hating me right now. <laughs> but I'm going to save my role for something I'm really feeling passionate. Okay. Yeah, no, for sure. For sure. Next up, we have video game systems. Which one of these is saved from oblivion? You have the Nintendo DS, the Xbox One, the PS4, and the Nintendo Switch. Oh, boy. <laughs> this is hard. The DS was my baby when I was growing up. I play the Switch a lot with my baby now. I didn't really play it at all before I had a baby. And now it's just like, well, I guess I'll be on the Switch for the rest of my life. <laughs> Xbox One is my, my heart. I'm really just an Xbox person at heart because they sponsored the guild back in the day. And I just, I was weaned on that system. I don't care about PlayStation and everybody hates me for that. And I just, I like troll everybody. I'm like, who cares? Burn it. Um, no, I'm just kidding. I'm going to roll. I'm going to do a roll. Okay. 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 Going to roll the D20 and see how we turn up. You got a 15. So you can save two of them. I'm going to save the one and the switch. Okay. Nice. Very nice. Oh, thank God. That really actually, I was, I was feeling a little tormented. So thank God. (laughs) All right. Moving on to classic movies. One has to go back to the future, the princess bride, the matrix or alien. Oh God. (laughs) Yeah. This is hard. No, I got to roll. I got to save two of these. No, I'm sorry. Nope. You, you got one one saving saving throw. throw? Yeah. Okay. Okay. You're right. You're right. You're right. Okay. Okay. I did the right thing. I mean, we need the switch in there. Boy. Okay. So I'm going to back to the future is super problematic. Like if you're talking about things, I mean, I've written stuff like the first season of the guild. I'm like, Oh girl, no, you would not write that again. (laughs) So like, that's fine. I, but there's some, I was always a little skeeved out by some of the stuff that happened in back to the future. We could throw that out aliens. And what were the other two? The matrix and the princess bride. Oh crap. You guys. Aliens, alien or aliens? Alien. The first. That's one of the best movies ever made. <laughs> I'm sorry, we're doing this to you. I, I think I'm gonna am. have to. I'm gonna have to say. I'm gonna have to save Alien, even a Princess Bride. It's like, come on. I know. I'm so sad. I'm sad because now it doesn't exist, and I've never seen the Princess Bride. <laughs> but you know what? Wow. Maybe so, maybe it will happen in the future. Alien is right. The book is still out there. The book. Maybe someone's like, oh, this old book that no one made. About <laughs> no, <me."> Alien <laughs> needed to happen. I'm sorry, Sigourney Weaver needed to show the world that character. <laughs> Okay, last round, and we have D&D classes. Which one is saved of your wizard, bard, rogue, cleric? Easy. Easy. Wizard, because I'm always play a wizard. <laughs> I will I play a wizard or a cleric, but cleric is so underappreciated. People don't appreciate. I like. I uh, the guild still does D&D. We do like a one shot at the end of every the last Sunday of every month. Um, and the cleric is totally underappreciated. I'm just saving your asses from your bad decisions mostly. So, <laughs> but a, a good fireball to the face is so satisfying. So I'm going to just say a uh, wizard. Nice, nice. Well, Felicia, 
This has been amazing. Thank you so much for joining us. So when can people tune in to watch Women Are Stream on Twitch? Um, yeah, you can You can come to Twitch on 2 p.m. Uh, Mondays, Pacific. All of my times are Pacific. So 2 p.m. on Mondays. Um, we have uh, many episodes that I think people are really going to love. I also stream several times a week other than that. So the best way to catch up with me is either on my Twitch, uh, on Twitter, because I do t- tend to tweet right before I go live, or if you want to plan ahead, which is, <laughs> who does that? You can go to my Discord, <laughs> discord.gg slash Felicia Day, and I always do uh, my weekly schedule in the announcements channel. Well, Felicia, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks a lot. That's it for today. Join us tomorrow when we may or may not know how sick the president actually is. And remember, please do not ride around in enclosed cars if you have the coronavirus. It is a bad idea. Be sure to subscribe to News O'Clock on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you go for your sound stories. And please take the time to leave us a rating and a review. It helps us figure out what you like about the show versus what you love about the show. And remember to set your alarm so you never miss an episode of News O'Clock. 's up what's up this is Robin Dixon co-host of reasonably shady which has just been nominated for an NAACP image award in the outstanding arts and entertainment podcast category this is so big for Giselle and I and of course we must thank all of our fantastic listeners but we need your help visit vote.naacpimageawards.net to vote for reasonably shady that's vote.naacpimageawards.net But don't wait. Voting closes on February 5th at 9 p.m. Eastern. And make sure to listen to Reasonably Shady every single Monday on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Hey, Lethal listeners. Tig here. Last season on Lethal Lit, you might remember I came to Hollow Falls on a mission, clearing my Aunt Beth's name and making sure justice was finally served. But... I hadn't counted on a rash of new murders tearing apart the town. My mission put myself and my friends in danger. Though it wasn't all bad. I'm gonna be real with you, Tig. I like you. But now, all signs point to a new serial killer in Hollow Falls. If this game is just starting, you better believe I'm gonna win. I'm Tig Torres, and this is Lethal Lit. Catch up on season one of the hit murder mystery podcast, Lethal Lit, a Tig Torres mystery, out now. And then tune in for all new thrills in season two, dropping weekly starting February 9th. Subscribe now to never miss an episode. Listen to Lethal Lit on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Jake Halpern, host of Deep Cover. Our new season is about a lawyer who helped the mob run Chicago. He bribed judges and even helped a hitman walk free until one day when he started talking with the FBI and promised that he could take the mob down. I've spent the past year trying to figure out why he flipped and what he was really after. Listen to Deep Cover on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.